You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today what I would like to do is kind of do, I guess, a little bit of an NFL checkup. And I was thinking about it. This probably makes sense to save for the bye week because I'm going to need more to talk about. But this happens every year. The, the off season is almost more fun than the regular season, even though it's harder to come up with content because the regular season becomes kind of monotonous. You've got seven kind of things that you need to do, and then you just do it. You know, you wake up and you're like, okay, today's PFF day, today's this day, today's that day. But you know what? My podcast, my rules, I do whatever I want. How about that? So sometimes you just got to shake it up, man. Shake it up, shake it up. So I just want to kind of survey the landscape a little bit, see what we can discover about some teams, because I think some teams are maybe rising some teams are already off the completely off the list and since I can't really account for time because as much as I'd like to cover a lot of things I tend to ramble I don't know if you knew that or not a dirty little secret of mine don't tell anyone so what I'm planning to do is start with the NFC North broaden out to the NFC then maybe touch on well the Patriots and Chiefs because those are the only teams that really matter I think outside of uh, the NFC Maybe the Texans, I don't know. And the Ravens. Whatever, you get what I'm saying. Anywho, um, giveaways. We're still kind of on that same track. There's basically three giveaways to know about as of right now. When we get to 600 followers on Instagram, there's going to be a signed Johnny Holland 8x10. When we get to 700 followers on Instagram, there will be a Chuck Mercine uh, jersey to give away. That is a signed Chuck Mercine jersey. And there is also a giveaway that is just running from now until Sunday at noon. We have a signed replica of the Lombardi Trophy signed by Leroy Butler. So, I mean, this is, jerseys are awesome. And I would absolutely love to have any one of these things that we're giving away. But to have just a a Lombardi replica, just like up in the office, you know, not that I have an office, but if I did, as a, you know, Packer man cave decoration kind of thing, but it's signed by the one and only Leroy Butler. I mean, that's just that's just awesome. So those are the things we got running right now. Make sure you get involved because um, I want to give you guys some stuff. Also, please remember the GoFundMe that we've got going on right now, Packers Fans Against Cancer. We're going to be running this through Christmas or, or until Christmas with the goal of being able to give this money away. I'll probably plan on doing some kind of a live video of me just pushing the button. I don't know. I've never done it before. I'm guessing that's all it is. So, again, it'll be good for the skeptics who think he's just putting this in his pocket. Because you can see me just go click, and then the money's just vanished. But also, it'll be a good way to celebrate together, to just kind of be like, yay, we did something that's awesome. And I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, I don't really remember where I left off with the thank yous. But uh, thank you to Michael and Kyle and Kona and Billy. I know I said thank you to Billy, but we'll cut it off there because I know I went to at least that point. Thank you guys so much. We are over $300. If we were to keep this same pace, and I can't anticipate that we will, but we would be over $3,000 to be able to give away by Christmas. Now, the goal is just set at $1,000. I'd be more than happy if we can give $1,000. 
but getting over 3,000 would be pretty incredible. And again, the organization that we're giving to is the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. There is a link in the description. You can check this all out for yourself. Check the organization out. And again, this is, uh, I believe, episode 599 today. So we're creeping up on 600. I usually ask for a $6 donation for myself. I'm going to ask that if you wouldn't mind, if you appreciate the show, if you want to give, please consider a $6 donation to the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation through the GoFundMe account that I have set up. I think it would be a great gesture to the organization from Packer fans, which is why it's not set up as the Packernet podcast against cancer. It's Packers fans against cancer. I'm not sure if I put this in the Facebook group yet, but I'll probably do that too. Sometimes people have a hard time finding stuff. I don't know. I get that all the time. Like, how do I do stuff? It's like, it's in the description. Like, yeah, but can you just send me a link? Okay. So I'll do that. Anyways, let's take a break and we'll just start randomly talking about other teams and why they're all terrible and we're going to win the Super Bowl. Sound good? Cool. So I woke up this morning, and my son was uh, in my bed when I woke up, and I woke him up. So as I'm stumbling around trying to get all my stuff together, he points out the window, and sure enough, it's just an absolute blizzard outside, which is the third time already that there has been a massive snowfall that is going to accumulate a lot of snow. For those that don't know, the last two years, I don't think we saw snow until December. It's been very mild, so we're making up for that. Bottom line is, though, we weren't ready And so now we're doing a mad dash to find winter clothing and all that kind of stuff. The benefit I have is that I got a little bit ahead of the game and got some great Mack Weldon stuff. I would encourage you to take a look at this stuff for yourself. Again, if you're like me and you're you're good with just some cheap hand-me-down stuff, let me just encourage you to just find one thing to buy. Because as I said, this is kind of an experience. And if you're not like me and you like high-end, better quality clothing then this is just exactly where you need to be. But again, as winter's coming, if you're in the cold weather areas, they've got a lot of really great options. Whether you just want their long sleeve shirt with insulated thermalite technology, micro waffle knit rib wrist cuffs, because, you know, it's not just a shirt. they got to do all this crazy stuff. They use a hollow core fiber that traps heat without adding weight because we got to use science when we make shirts, apparently. If you're looking for something to put over it, they've got these awesome-looking hoodies. But they're not just awesome-looking. They're, they have French terry stretch. What does that mean? I don't know. Let me read it for you. They use French terry cotton. They enhance it with just the right amount of stretch, and then they micro-sand the fabric to make it even softer and smoother. So they take awesome cotton and micro-sand it. So again, th- th- this is premium stuff. It's premium quality, and then they just take it to the next level. So let me just encourage you to go to MacWeldon.com and check the stuff out. And again, Christmas is coming up, winter's coming up, just just grab you one, just so you can experience it. And then I'm guessing you're going to be asking for a second item for Christmas. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's start with the NFC North. The great thing about this is that it shouldn't take all that long. Technically, the Bears and the Lions are not out entirely. I mean, if the Bears win the rest of their games, they're 11-5, and five, right? You're probably not officially eliminated until you get to seven losses, and even then there's some rare instances where a 9-7 and seven team gets in. So nobody's officially out, but we're getting pretty close to the territory of being able to rule out at least the Bears. And then you look at the Lions and the fact that they're just kind of struggling. It's hard to imagine they go on a, a massive win streak. But the, the, real, the, the only actual thing the Bears can do to get their team back on track and actually have a shot would be to bench Mitch Trubisky. Um, and it's kind of a twofold reason. Not that that's necessarily going to save the team because there's a lot of underlying problems like the offense in general just being kind of trash. However, you, the, basically the second worst player on their team is Mitch Trubisky. The second best player on their offense is Chase Daniel. I said... Last year, and everybody mocked it, according to PFF, Chase Daniel is better than Mitch Trubisky, and everybody rolled their eyes. Oh, here we go, PFF. Nobody listens to that stuff. This is why PFF is dumb. They got people like, they actually believe Chase Daniel is better than Mitch Trubisky. He's a good quarterback. He took a big step in his second year. And then I spent the entire offseason saying, did he, though? Did he, though? I'm not sure he did. His statistics got a little bit better. But in a lot of ways, he got worse, and actually PFF said he got worse. Oh, here we go, PFF, put the PFF. Yes, that's correct. PFF made the audacious statement that Chase Daniel actually was playing as a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Not that it was impossible that Mitch became better and played better than Chase Daniel, and maybe Chase Daniel just played pretty well in a, in a vacuum, and, you know, he, he'll play worse later. However, it's not really playing out that way. And at this point, if somebody makes the statement that Chase Daniel is better than Mitch Trubisky, you know what the response is going to be? Duh. Which is interesting, because if you would have said that a year ago, the same people saying duh today would be throwing a hissy fit. Especially Bears fans, but even so. You could say that to Packers fans, and maybe you get a chuckle, but you'd probably still get a lot of responses, you know, oh, come on, man, that's ridiculous. Let's not get carried away now. I mean, come on. Chase Daniel is the second best player on their offense. Mitch Trubisky is the second worst player on their offense. Now, will they bench Mitch Trubisky? I honestly don't see a reason to... Uh, see, here's the problem. I'm I'm of the mind that if you're not going to win, just don't win. A lot of fans hate that. A lot of teams, a lot of owners, a lot... It just depends. Certain people, you know, it's, it's a winner's mentality. You don't play that way. You don't play to lose. You don't play to tank. You don't play the draft. No, well, okay. I play to win a Super Bowl. That would be my mentality. And if we're not going to win a Super Bowl, then I don't know exactly what it is we're doing. So again, based on their record, they're not officially out. They still got a good defense. Maybe we throw Chase Daniel in there. We try to make a run at this. I mean, how many teams can we beat here? We, we got the Lions we can beat. We got the Giants. Giants. We got the Lions again. Um, yeah, no, I think we're done. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, the Lions are probably going to beat the Bears anyways, at least once. But even if we want to say we beat the Lions, you got the Rams, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Vikings. And this is going to be a, a Chiefs team with Mahomes back. I think your season's over, folks. Um, I mean, they played the easy part of their schedule. They played the Broncos. They played the Redskins. They played the Raiders. 
They played uh, the Chargers, and uh, they ended up beating the Broncos barely and the Redskins by a lot. So props to them for that. They also beat the Vikings, which is just awesome. That makes me so happy. They, they come out of this stretch of easy teams, beating almost nobody. They have no hope for a playoff run, but they beat the Vikings. So I, I, I just I don't really know what the plan is or why you would bench Mitch Trubisky. Because let's remember, they do not have a first-round draft pick next year. Now, you could say, that. well, then what's the point of tanking? Well, number one, you'd get a higher second-round pick, which is, I guess, worth something. I think they have a second-round pick. Yeah, they have two second-round picks, so they could easily trade up, although they don't have a third or a fourth-round pick, so they might want to hang on to that. I can't believe people think Ryan Pace is a good GM. Anyone that thinks the draft is important, which is football 101, would not be handing out awards to Ryan Pace. But secondarily, the reason why you would continue to play Mitch Trubisky, I suppose, is the fact that there's no real expectation that you're going to be getting a new quarterback next year. So if this is your guy, we got to get this figured out, man. Unless we're literally just going to have Mitch Trubisky sit on the bench as our number two for like two years. And then it also becomes problematic because do you draft a quarterback in the second? Because there's a decent amount of quarterbacks. Maybe you could get like Jake Fromm or Eason or Love or Hertz or whatever. But you take a second-round guy, and then maybe you're looking at another one in 2021 if you guys are really bad. So now you got your first-round quarterback, you've got your second-round quarterback, and you're looking to replace everybody with a new 2021 quarterback. Or do you just not bother and try to stack some more talent, which would probably be the right call, but then that means 2020 is just a complete wash. Well, maybe not with Chase Daniel. You give it the old college try with Chase Daniel, throw a better wide receiver in the mix, try to win with your defense. I don't know, but it's 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 dire, and I don't see the Bears doing very much of anything else. I think maybe the Bears can beat the Lions once. I think they're going to lose to the Rams, probably beat the Giants, lose to the Cowboys, lose to the Packers, lose to the Chiefs, lose to the Vikings. I think this is going to be a very bad year for the Bears, who really believed that they were going to be Super Bowl contenders this year. And as I said, that's all predicated on Trubisky. That's exactly what I said at the start of this year. If Trubisky is, um, if he takes a step which was my words and my way of phrasing it because most people thought he already took a step and that they could win with him being about as good um, as he was maybe taking a small step. I I said he needed to take a big step because he was rated as like the 33rd best quarterback out of, you know, 32. (laughs) Not really, but there's only 32 teams. So I said if he takes a massive step, then we all might be in trouble. But I said if he doesn't, I think the Bears are going to be kind of garbage. And here we are. Trubisky is complete trash. And with Trubisky, so goes the Bears. Now, they do still have uh, talented defense, but I think things become more complicated. And we've seen this several times with teams as far as managing their salary cap. But um, if you look at it right now, usually what happens, if you look at the 2019 salary cap and then you look at 2020, the numbers go way up. So, for example, they, they've managed to get $16.7 million worth of cap space, which is impressive because they had like nothing. So they've been working this and trying to restructure everything. And then usually, because a lot of these people become free agents, you would go from 16 to about 30, and then you re-sign a bunch of free agents, and then you drop back down to 10 or whatever. If you look at 2020, they're down to $12 million before they sign any of their free agents. A big part of that reason, Khalil Mack is going to cost $26.6 million. Kyle Fuller, 17 and a half. What a waste of money that is. Allen Robinson, $15 million. Waste of money. This is the problem. When you overpay guys then you have no money, no resources left to pay guys that you actually need. Ideally, you underpay guys, right? It sounds wrong, but really, that's ideal. 
That's the big reason why the draft is so beneficial. Because there's only so much money to go around, so you need to be able to scrimp and save so that you can put resources elsewhere. Paying $26 million for Khalil Mack, I, I don't care what you think about Khalil Mack, that's too much money. $26.5 million for, for Khalil is too much. If you're good with that, that's fine, because I don't think that's anywhere near as egregious as 17.5 for Kyle Fuller. He's, he's decent, but eh. $15 million for Allen Robinson is a joke. He's not even, he's not top 10. I don't know if he's even top 20. $13 million for Leonard Floyd. 11.8 for Akeem Hicks. That's one that's a little under. It's expensive. And again, that doesn't take into account free agency. By the way, Chase Daniel is a free agent. How much are they going to have to pay out for Chase Daniel? Really, think about it. I mean, Chase Daniel's in a powerful position because the Bears kind of need him. And if they let him go, they're sunk. They're, they may as well be tanking the 2020 season. Chase Daniel is their... He's their, their only hope of actually winning in 2020 because Trubisky is not going to do it. Um, they've also got Danny Trevathan, who is a good linebacker that is up for contract. He's 30 years old, but you know he's going to want some money. Haha, ha Clinton Dix, same position. I mean, he's he's played fairly well. He's also in a powerful position because, you know, the Bears maybe look at it and go, eh, you're not that great. However, what happens to the safety group without Haha ha Clinton Dix? It drops off pretty drastically. Sherrick McManus is a guy who never gets any credit. He has a very limited snap counts. He's 33 years old, but he is currently right now rated as their highest graded player on their defense. Yes, it's limited snaps, but he was last year too. He's really good. He just doesn't get a lot of opportunities. And I would love for them to let him walk. Aaron Lynch might let him go, but he's only 27 years old. You know, kind of an important piece of the defense. Not super talented, but there's that. Ted Larson, offensive lineman. I mean, there's just there's a lot of guys. Roy Robertson Harris, the guy that really just wrecked it for that in the Packers game. He was tearing it up. Nick Kwiatkowski, a very underrated linebacker. They've got two other safeties that are up for contract. you, you got to sign some of them. So they're not in a very good position financially. And, and remember, it's going to cost money. It's going to cost you, what, what like $10 million bucks to, re- to sign your draft pick? Probably less for the Bears because they don't have as many. It's going to cost some, some change to, to sign your draft picks. Even if it's five, we're dropping down to seven million. How are you even going to pay Chase Daniel with seven million dollars? So they're in a tough position. I think they positioned themselves to go in heavy in 2019, and it failed. And now they're in a position where you're kind of in rebuild mode, but you have no money to rebuild, and you can't tear down because you've just paid a bunch of money for contracts that are basically guaranteed, which means you're going to sink yourself financially. You you cannot do it. So really, the only thing you can do is is leave everything the way it is, draft a quarterback, and hope he's real good. And even then, we're looking at what? I mean, Allen Robinson, so that's going to be a good connection. Because as much as he doesn't produce a lot, you know, you give him a good enough quarterback, he'll he'll shine. But then what? Right, David Montgomery has been average. Taylor Gabriel is, is subpar. Anthony Miller hasn't really shown the way that I thought he might, which is a massive benefit. The tight ends have not stepped up. The offensive line seemingly has taken a massive step back this year. Tariq Cohen has not been very good. Cordero Patterson is a joke. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just he, he's never really... Listen, he's got a, a very unique and, and awesome skill set, but he's just one of those guys that it's like, I just don't know how to use him. The Patriots did a great job of figuring out how to use his skill set, but then they dumped him. The Bears just don't, they, they just don't know. And so he's coming over and he's basically the same Cordero Patterson where he's scary and you got to watch out for him because he can do some stuff. But over the course of a season, he's just not that impactful. I I can tell this is just going to be an NFC North thing. (laughs) 
Defensively, they've got Khalil Mack, and they paid a bunch of money for it. But outside of that, look, PFF has their defense ranked one spot ahead of the Packers right now. Because a lot of, listen, the Vic Fangio thing was for real. And, I, and, and you know, when the season started, it was like, oh, where's all the, it's, you know, Vic Fangio, blah, blah, blah. Like, look, there's still a dominant defense. There's still, 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 still. I'm looking right now at one guy that's elite. That's Khalil Mack. After that, there's not even a guy graded in the 80s. You drop straight down into the 70s, and that's Akeem Hicks, who, by the way, has always been overrated. And as I said, he's probably going to take a step back because last year, what what have I been saying since forever? The Bears' defense is very likely going to regress, even with Vic Fangio, because so many guys are playing unsustainably well. Guys, guys essentially, you know, just to give you a visual, Imagine guys that are like 60, 70, 70, 60, 75, 78, and then all of a sudden in one year you get 91. Now, if you see a whole team with that where it's like, you know, 70, 70, 70, 75, 75, 78, 80, 80, you know, you're kind of in that range from 70 to 80, and then boom, 91. Does anybody actually think that the whole team is going to sustain that 91 level for years and years to come? I mean, it's regression to the mean, man. You you know they're going to go back to what they were. Eddie Jackson is is not even graded as average this year. And I I told you this. There, there's so much, and this is media hype garbage. And these are people that you would expect to know better, but they just don't. Eddie Jackson played one year where he was good, not great. Then he had one year where he was elite to the best safety in football. Which, by the way, Amos had a very similar thing happen to him. And then he regressed, not being bad, but just regressed down to being good. Eddie Jackson right now is graded as below average. He's in the 50s, really bad tackler, below average run defender, average in coverage. His only positive grade is in pass rush, and he's only rushed the passer six times. This whole defense was built on a house of cards because none of it was real. Akeem Hicks being one of the best interior defensive players, no. He's generating pressure on 7% of his pass rush attempts. That's horrible. That's garbage. That's 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 trash. But again, we got the media showing like how great he is, and Akeem Hicks is one of the best, and you don't even know, brother. I, I do know, because I can read, man. It's not just the grades. Look at the numbers. He's graded right now as a terrible tackler, an average pass rusher, and he's pretty good against the run. He's good. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying this this idea that he's elite or you know very, very, very good yeah, he was for a year, but we got five years of evidence to show that he's kind of just a good player, not a great player. Guess what he is this year? He's back to being a good player. So they've got one elite player. They've got one, two, three, four players that are good. That's it on the entire defense, according to PFF. They've got a lot more people that are below average. Buster Screen, uh, Kyle Fuller, right? Oh, he's so good. He's elite. No, man, he had one good year with Vic Fangio. Also, different defensive scheme. We're going from zone to press man. Kyle Fuller thrived in that sort of zone defense where he put all his guys in the right position. This is man-to-man, lock-your-guy-down kind of defense. Kyle Fuller's not that good, man. He can't do that. Buster Screen, below average. Kyle Fuller, below average. Eddie Jackson, below average. Roquan Smith, bad. Second year in a row, bad. Blyle Nichols, bad. Aaron Lynch, bad. Even Football Outsiders only has him as the eighth best defense because, you know, it's it's not always just the, the components, the, the pieces, but being able to stifle, I mean, you know, a real good pass rush from Khalil Mack can disguise a lot of real ugly things. So it's possible to be pretty good statistically while still having some bad pieces. 
The problem is, again, we're, we're, we're looking at just the outside. So I'm sure there's bears. Oh, really? Look at the statistics. Currently sixth in points, ninth in yards. Where are you at? Yeah, I, I know what statistics are. This is how I knew that Mitch Trubisky was garbage and you didn't, because you're focused on, oh, look at the statistics. He took a big step forward. Look at the statistics. I'm looking at the bigger picture. I'm looking at the underlying story and the underlying problem. And the underlying problem with your defense is that it doesn't have that many good players. You're making do, and it happens all the time. There's a lot of teams that don't have the greatest roster in the world that are good teams. And there's a lot of teams that have, you know, again, the the Chargers. The Chargers have a pretty good roster. They only have, well, now four wins. Talked about it last year with the Packers. The Packers should have had more wins based on their roster, but they weren't a good football team. This this is a defense that is very hollow, but is doing a very good job because it does have some very key pieces, especially that defensive front. That that is that is disguising a lot of weaknesses. For example, the linebackers have a relatively easy job because there is a lot of talent along that front. They're eating up everything. The linebackers just gotta come up and clean up a little bit. If you're able to get a, a good pass rush, that takes a lot of pressure off of these corners. You can have situations where a guy's wide open, but the quarterback never sees it because he's running for his life. And yeah, ultimately, the production is, is all that matters, right? Same with what I've said about the Packers. It looks better than it is because they keep him out of the end zone, which I guess is fine because you win games and lose games based on points, not yards or anything else. But still, looking at it seriously from a standpoint of confidence moving forward, if you're a Bears fan, there's not a lot to be confident in. I mean, if, if, if Khalil Mack goes down, this team is, is garbage. I mean, it's already garbage, but this team is just, is, is, I mean, you're down there with the Jets. Jets have a lot of good pieces on their defense. You know, I mean, look at the Giants. Giants have pieces. Everybody's got pieces somewhere. Look at the Browns. They got more pieces than most teams in the NFL. So as far as the health check goes, and I said this early on in, in the year before the season started, if I was buying stock in a team, you're going to buy in the Packers because they're built for the future. The Chicago Bears are not. And unfortunately, they built for now. And this is the big risk for with going all in right now. If you go in all in right now and miss, you're done. You're in a lot of trouble because there's no real way to fix that. Now, again, the, the, the best thing the Bears can do is, is really hit on a quarterback. Unfortunately, their GM has put them in a position where they really can't get a quarterback. And so maybe their best play is to package both second-round picks, move up, and grab a quarterback that's available if they believe it's the guy, but if they miss on him, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's so far from over. It's just, huh. because now, now again, they don't have a third round pick. And if they package both second round picks, then you grab a quarterback. You don't have a second round pick, a third round pick, or a fourth round pick. You don't pick again until the fifth round. So if you miss on this quarterback and he's not very good, you haven't had a pick in the first round, second round, th- third round. I mean, you, you've, you've had so you're so lacking in, in picks, which is what builds your team. The last time you had a first-round pick, it was Roquan, and he's not very good. Before that, you had Trubisky, and he's not very good. Again, why is Ryan Pace considered one of the best GMs in football? He's so horrible. So I, at this point, I'm kind of looking at the Bears similar to, to teams like the Lions, where there's enough talent that they can just wreck some stuff. Like, they can beat a team. Like, like they did with the Vikings. The Vikings are a better team than the Bears, but they got this defense where if, if they just wreck you, like if, if we say, okay, we're going to come at you with this and this, this is our game plan because it's really all we can do, but they, they're able to execute it and you can't stop it, then they get you in that situation where you're not putting up any points. And even though their offense is garbage, their offense just needs to put up, I don't know, 10, 12, 13, 15 points, and then they actually win the game. 
So, so they're just they're they're just teams that, that that have no hope of actually winning a Super Bowl, but just enough talent to absolutely wreck your team. You know, you're on this great run, and you, you like like the Chargers did with the Packers, right? It's just a game that you should win, but you end up losing it. It's a bad team that isn't an automatic win. That's all the Bears are right now. Anyways, obviously, again, we're not only going to get through the NFC North, which I should have known was going to happen, but why don't we take a break, and then we'll talk about the Lions, and then we'll talk about the Vikings, and we'll get out of here. And I really have to go quickly. Speaking of the NFC North, let's take a look at what my bookie has to say about these upcoming games. If things go the way my bookie intends them to go, the Packers will win their matchup at home against the Carolina Panthers, the Minnesota Vikings will lose their game to the Dallas Cowboys, and the Chicago Bears will fall one more game to the Detroit Lions, which does mean the Lions will win another game. But what a fantastic series of events that would be. Now, if you disagree, you probably should head over to my bookie because there's some opportunities here for you. For example, some of you probably think there are deep-seated problems with the with the Green Bay Packers, and giving them a, a five-point favorite in the spread is probably something that you're not super comfortable with. My bookie's got that action, bro. Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions. Again, Bears got some, some real wrecking opportunities, and the Detroit Lions, really their only redeemable attribute is their offense's ability to kind of do something. So if the Bears can shut that down, then it becomes one of those games where if the Bears can just kick a couple field goals, they might win the game. Bears right now are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Why, how did I read that entirely wrong? The Bears are actually favorites in this game. Whatever. Give me some credit. A positive seems positive, right? But anyways, there you go. Bears are two-and-a-half-point favorites, which would be awesome if the Bears win because, again, the Bears are going, or they're probably going to lose their last four games. They're already out of it. If they can sink the Detroit Lions here, boom, two teams are done. So I'm all for that. And, and, and I tend to think it's, it's a very real possibility. However, let's not forget the Bears can't score points. You make up your own mind on how that's going to go. And finally, the Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys, obviously going to be a very, very good game. The Dallas Cowboys are three-point favorites. I got that correct. Um, There's also the over-under and the money line that you can bet on. I usually just talk about the spread because it's the most interesting. It kind of just shows, I don't know, I feel like it gives a better picture of what's going on. If you're not into that, remember, we got Super Bowl odds. The Packers are still fourth, but we're looking at plus 1,000. So they're still fourth, but there's more money to be made on it. That's sort of the positive spin I'll put on that. And essentially what you're going to be able to do is 10x your money. So if last week was a fluke and they're about to beat the, the Carolina Panthers, then this would be the time to get in on that because that number is just going to go down and you're going to make less money on the bet. Just saying. So anyways, head over to my bookie. Whatever it is that you're feeling, anytime you got a little bit of a hunch, I know some people are looking back on some of their predictions and they were very, very close on their predictions and are like, oh man, if I'd have just had a little bit more confidence in what I believed, I could have made a decent amount of money. And this is true. So head over to mybookie.ag. Make sure you use promo code OVERTIME when you sign up because they're going to match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and New Year's get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. If throwing money into the ring isn't your thing and you'd rather support the team in person, you know what to do. Download the Vivid Seats mobile app. I mean, look, it doesn't cost you money to download the apps. You might as well just do it so you got it sitting there. And, and you know, if the ad stops running... One of these days you're going to be like, I do want to go to a game, but I don't know what where to get my ticket. Not See, you downloaded the app, so you know where to go. So just have it waiting in the wings, because one of these days you're going to pull the trigger. And for some of you, I know it's just bubbling up inside, like, maybe I could go. Maybe I will go. Tell you what, why don't you just pull up the app, take a look at the ticket prices, decide who you want to go, how many tickets you need. You can Again, you can sort for all the, the right seats, section, row, whatever you're looking for, and just, just mull it over. Talk with your spouse, talk with your friends. Why not you? That's all I'm saying. 
And remember, if you buy with Vivid Seats, you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, so you're going to get Vivid Seats Rewards back when you purchase it, and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So when you're ready, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. So next up, the Detroit Lions. Um, it's actually pretty clear that they're in teardown mode, so we, we, we can't rule them out based on their record. Anything's possible, but... When you start selling off defensive pieces, when you ship off guys like Quandre Diggs, middle of the season, seemingly for no reason, and there's rumors that you're shopping Darius Slay, it's pretty clear what you're doing. And then the only question becomes, are we actively looking for a new head coach? Because we're kind of getting into that territory where we could consider a new quarterback. Now, probably not because Matt Stafford is signed through 2022. But if we think about the timeline here, He's obviously going to play in 2019. You draft a guy. You let Stafford play through 2020. You're not going to cut him. And then in 2021, it's only $10 million in dead money. You're only letting him go one year early. He's got all his guarantees. He just got $10 million of his pro-rated signing bonus left. So you eat the $10 million. You got your new quarterback. You're saving yourself $20 million in cap space by getting rid of Matt Stafford. So it's not really all that impossible of a situation. He'd also be 33 years old. And it's not even that Matt Stafford's all that horrible. It's just a matter of we've kind of run this experiment long enough to recognize that for whatever reason, this just isn't working. You know, Stafford just doesn't have that extra little oomph to get over the hump. He's got enough to win games. He's got enough to to obviously do really, really well in, in small sample sizes. But as I've said, winning a Super Bowl is about sustaining it. It's the biggest reason why I think that the Chiefs are going to have a hard time winning because they don't have the defense. It's the biggest reason why I think the Vikings are going to have a hard time because Kirk Cousins, very similarly to Matt Stafford, has shown in in small sample sizes times of brilliance, but then he's also shown signs of being absolutely terrible. And it's those moments when you're terrible that you're just going to get wiped out. But one of the biggest problems I see with the Lions is you look at the offense and you go, the offense is actually pretty good. I mean, Matt Stafford is, is pretty good. He's having a really good year. Kenny Galladay is good. I mean, really, a lot of the wide receivers are, are killing it. Marvin Hall, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. Every single one of them has a good grade. Two of them have very good grades. I mean, this is just a, it's a good group, but it's just not good enough. Now, maybe they try to go the opposite route and try to do what the Packers did and just bolster the defense, because right now it's, it's Trey Flowers who's doing a decent enough job as a pass rusher. He's got 27 pressures on 221 attempts. That's 12%. That's pretty solid. Outside of that, I mean, you got Snacks Harrison, who's having a real down year. I mean, he's usually very dominant as a run defender. He's just kind of, you know, good, not great. Just not a lot going on. Darius Slay is graded out as average. I think he's always been very overrated, but, you know, whatever. I, I, I guess I don't know. I don't know the direction you go if you're the Detroit Lions, but clearly they're looking at this as we need to start tearing this thing down. And maybe that's part of the reason they're shipping guys off now, because they have no intention of paying them because they're going to come back in real heavy next year, load up on defense with Matt Patricia, get him the guys that he wants on defense, go for a really strong, heavy defense. Again, follow the Packers' uh, game plan of getting defensive people through the, the through free agency, and then really just follow the mold of the Vikings and the Bears where their strength is their defense. And that makes sense when you have Matt Patricia as your head coach. And if you can have Matt Patricia lead this really strong defense that's on the level of or in the same category as the Vikings or Bears as far as the production, the disruption, all that kind of stuff, and then you have Matt Stafford on the other side with some talented wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera, maybe you got a shot. Bottom line is, though, this is all next year talk. 
this is all, let's get our salary cap in order, let's get everything figured out so that next year we can execute XYZ. And with next year being a very strong offensive class and a very likely that teams are going to be taking quarterbacks, the benefit of that is defensive players and, and non-quarterback players in general tend to fall, but you figure you got at least two quarterbacks that are going to be gone. The, the Lions right now are supposed to be picking around 12th. So with two quarterbacks going, if you're not taking a quarterback, you're, you're more or less getting a top 10 pick. It's possible three or, or more quarterbacks go. It's it's not really settled where everyone's going to go, but two is going to go. Real good chance Burrow is going to go. Herbert is a potential top 10. And then there's there's some potential, unlikely, but you know Jalen Hurts or whatever, maybe. But you know Herbert, Burrow, and Tua, who knows? Then you got guys like Jerry Judy. Obviously, Chase Young is going to be gone. But there's some real good talent that could be there at 12. And so, again, you you continue shipping off players, getting your salary cap the way it's supposed to be, and you look at your schedule and say, you know, at at best we're going to lose one more to the Bears. Real good chance we lose to the Cowboys. That's two more losses. We're probably going to lose to the Vikings. That's three losses. Good chance we lose to the Packers. That's four losses. I don't know exactly what that does to the standings because they'll probably beat the Redskins and beat maybe beat the Buccaneers and a good chance they beat the Broncos. So three or four more wins, three or four more losses coming for the Detroit Lions, probably. So I would guess they'll more or less maintain kind of where they're at. And I do. I, th- I think the I think the game plan for the Lions is already to look to 2020. I don't think the Bears are there yet because I think they're they're still kind of shell-shocked a little bit. They really thought this was going to be their year, right? We're still going to ride Trubisky. I don't know if they know what their game plan is. I, I, I tend to think right now they're still looking at we, we, we need to win. But if you lose this week to the Lions, it's time to really start thinking for the future. And then the question is, is the future, let's just ride out Mitch Trubisky because why not? Because even if he is terrible, winning isn't going to help us. So let's just keep losing with Trubisky. Plus, we keep developing Trubisky. Hopefully, maybe, I don't know, doesn't matter. What, what else are we going to do with him? Or maybe we bring in Chase Daniel to see, is he the guy... Right? Can we potentially win with him, or should we? I don't know. Maybe that is the way to go. That's what the the Bengals are doing. But essentially, I think the Bears and the Lions are done. That that's my thought. Not that they can't still beat the Packers. Not that they still aren't a threat. But as far as actually believing that they're going to end up in the playoffs, the answer is no. The Lions have given up. The Bears, I don't think, have the potential. Now shifting to the Vikings, because this is ultimately what it's come down to. The Packers and the Vikings are the competitors and each team kind of has their own thing right both teams kind of have this real source of pride in in terms of we're we're a really good team and we're really dominant but they've also both got a lot of question marks right the Packers have to look at what happened to the Chargers they have to look at the defense giving up all these big plays they got to look at the inconsistent play of guys like King and Jair and pretty much everybody that's good having a lot of really bad days there's a lot of introspection needed and then the Vikings have to look at the fact that I mean, they basically had wide receivers that wanted to quit at the beginning of the year because their quarterback was so bad. And then everything was great because Cousins came out and was was super good, and then the wide receivers were all great. Now you've got an injured wide receiver. You've got a quarterback that seems to be once again regressing because it's just peaks and valleys with this guy all the time. So not really sure where either team is going to be at the end of this, but I, I can say the Vikings at their best can beat the Cowboys. With that said, all things being equal, I think the Cowboys are not only a, a overall better team, I just think they're a more consistent team. They don't have the fluctuations. So the Vikings at the peak, the Vikings at their best can beat just about anybody, right? Kirk Cousins at his best is is literally MVP caliber quarterback. You factor in the wide receivers, you factor in the running back, you factor in the defense with maybe the best pass rush duo in football. I mean, the, the Vikings at their best have a very real shot at winning a Super Bowl. 
The problem is, similar to the Packers, inconsistency. And so you look at their schedule going forward, the Dallas Cowboys are favorited, and for good reason. Again, I think they are a better team. This is also being played in Dallas. This is the second week that the Vikings are going to be on the road. I think the Vikings right now only have two wins on the road so far. Uh, They lost to the Packers, they lost to the Bears, they lost to the Chiefs, and then they beat the Lions and they beat the Giants, which... You know, maybe you can take credit for beating the Lions on the road, but I'm not giving you any credit for beating the Giants on the road. So they've had a little bit of struggles on the road. At home, the Vikings haven't lost, and that's, I mean, they're, they're very, very good at home. But again, this is on the road. So they've got the Cowboys. They're, they're probably going to beat the Broncos because that is at home. The Seahawks on the road, I, I don't know that they win that. So I'm looking at the next three games and saying, I kind of think they're going to go, you know, one and two. And they get the Lions at home, they'll probably win. Chargers on the road, we've seen how tough that is. Now, they've probably learned from the Packers not to be dumb about it, but it is on the road, which the Pack- or the Vikings have struggled with. It is kind of a distance, which is usually problematic for most teams, that, that long-distance traveling. I think that'll be a tough game. And then they've got two home games against the Packers and the Vikings. I'm guessing they'll be favorites in both of those games. We'll see. But for sure, the Cowboys and the Seahawks are going to be very, very tough opponents. And I, I just I, I can feel it right now. The the Packers Vikings game, we might as well just call that hate bowl. Like this is the hate bowl. Because there's there's just so much animosity right now between the Packers and Vikings and especially the fans, but I think that kind of emanates from the teams, right? That the Vikings feel as though they're the best, but the Packers beat them, but now they're in their home turf, and the Packers obviously have a lot to prove. I I, I just think that is gonna be an absolutely insane, insane game. And it's it's gonna be really, really hard for the Packers to win that one because it is a tough defense which is usually how you beat the Packers, and the environment is just going to be unbelievably loud. But still, the Vikings have got a tough stretch. The Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Chargers uh, away, the Packers, and even the Bears, which doesn't seem like it would be that hard, but, I mean, you lost to them, so we kind of got to throw that in the mix. Now, PFF does have this as the fourth best team in football right now. Uh, They've got three very good players on their offense. This is PFF terminology here, but Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, and Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins is kind of, you know, remains to be seen, right? So he started off the year not great. In four games, he had one real good game against Oakland. That's it. He also had the worst game of his career against Green Bay. Then the next four games, he was unbelievably dominant, MVP caliber, all that stuff. He was very good against the Giants, elite against Philadelphia and Detroit, very good against Washington. But then this year, excuse me, this past week, he was average. So he had four weeks in which he was good in only one game. He had four weeks in which he was good in four games, and now he's kind of had another bad game. By the way, there is a direct correlation between their record and Kirk Cousins' play. Basically, any game in which Kirk Cousins has a 65 grade or higher, they've won. Anything below that, they've lost. His worst, his three worst games this year, Green Bay, Chicago, Kansas City. The three teams they lost to this year, Green Bay, Chicago, Kansas City. So here's to hoping that Mike Patton really has a good good key on how to beat Kirk Cousins. But uh, even outside of that, Laquan Treadwell is actually having a good year, which is shocking. He hasn't played very much, but he's done pretty well in his limited opportunities. Irv Smith, their rookie tight end, is doing really well. Stephon Diggs, obviously, is a good wide receiver. Um, They've got two really good tackles. I know the offensive line has been a big question mark, but Brian O'Neill and Riley Reef are doing a pretty solid job. Pat Elfleen, actually not doing terrible as much as the Vikings fans absolutely hate the guy. Um, He is a terrible pass blocker, but he's at least a good run blocker. (laughs) which is why the Vikings fans hate him, because nobody cares about run blocking. The biggest issues, um, the rest of the offensive line, including rookie Garrett Bradbury and guard Dakota Dozier, really, really bad. Defensively, the, the, the defense is absolutely tearing it up. 
Um, Eric Hendricks, again, I've mentioned him several times, having a great, great year. Best year of his career, to, to put it in more clearly. Um, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin are, again, as, as I've said, probably the best pass rush duo right now in football. They've already combined for over 100 pressures on the season. They've got 15 combined sacks. These are PFF numbers, probably not the NFL numbers because they don't count half sacks and all that kind of stuff. Um, other guys that are really tearing it up that aren't being talked about as much, cornerback Jaron Curse, not a super high snap guy, but doing a great job. Anthony Harris, the safety, not surprisingly having a great year. Uh, the safety Harrison Smith, not surprisingly having a great year. Um, linebacker Eric, Eric Wilson is doing well. Linval Joseph is doing well. Um, lots and lots and lots of talent. And there's plenty of guys we can look at that aren't doing quite as well. But, I mean, when you got that many guys that are just kind of doing a fantastic job, that would be why your defense is so good. Now, a few positions that weren't mentioned quite as much, cornerback, right? Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, not very good. I've been saying that for a long time. These guys are way overrated. They're not very good. Vikings fans hate when I say that, but it's true. Anthony Barr, meh. Mike Hughes, meh. So, I mean, what is the long-term vision for the Vikings? Obviously, it's very narrowly focused. We're obviously going for a Super Bowl this year. Um, looking forward, are we looking to replace our quarterback? I almost think the biggest problem that they have is that Kirk Cousins is coming up in, in 2020, his contract. <sighs> Again, the, the, the success of the team seems to be tied very well, very much to Kirk Cousins. When he plays really well, and he's shown flashes of being unbelievably good, best quarterback in the NFL good. He had a four-week stretch where he was easily the best quarterback in football for those four weeks. His contract is up after 2020. Are we really going to re-sign Kirk Cousins after 2020? We don't have to make the decision now. We don't have to draft a replacement quarterback this year, and we probably won't. But it becomes a really tough decision because, I mean, we're going to have to sign him. It's going to be to another massive contract, while at the same time realizing that Kirk Cousins may be the very reason that we're not going to win a Super Bowl. I mean, if he he can hit a four-week stretch again, you can win a Super Bowl. That's really all it's going to take you anyways. But the odds are he's going to have a bad game thrown in there somewhere, especially against top competition, not these garbage teams that they've been playing and been able to dominate. You're getting top-quality, playoff-caliber defenses. Somebody's going to throw something at you that you don't like. You're probably going to have a bad day, and when Kirk Cousins has a bad day, the team loses. So it's much more of a long-term thing. You don't have to worry about it so much now. Um, but there, there is a salary cap issue because things are really starting to squeeze on that. And there is a quarterback issue because this team falls apart if we decide let's replace Kirk Cousins and we draft somebody and he's not very good. And it's, it, it, in the very near future, you're going to have to decide what to do. Either we're going to re-sign Kirk Cousins for another three years or we're going to try to find a replacement, in which case this, this whole thing might be just completely over because we need somebody to play up to Kirk Cousins' standard in order to continue to succeed. And, and there's no rookie that's going to come in and play in, as an elite quarterback. So I, I don't know. Again, that's that's for the Vikings to figure out a few years down the future. Their focus right now is on the present. It's on the Cowboys because they have a very, I mean, it's it's almost, it's extremely unlikely they miss the playoffs. It's just a matter of, of how far we can get into the playoffs and, and sharpening our tools at this point. So anyways, I am extremely over time. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.